All right, everybody, welcome back to the showcase. I'm your host, Paris Jackson. On today's episode, got a little bit about COVID and then giving you some updates on the futures that we made at the beginning of the season. Should be a good one. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the showcase. Before we really get into the shits here, I just wanted to touch on COVID and what's been going on with that. I mean, COVID has absolutely ran rampant through the league since the start of December. I mean, leading up to it, I think we had, what, like 16 people out total because of COVID. And that number has ballooned to the point where pretty much 26 out of the 30 teams that are suiting up now have at least one or two players on coaches, we have currently, or on COVID protocol, we have at least three coaches that are out with COVID currently, and, you know, it's really stepped up. We're also seeing it balloon in just our everyday lives as well. The number of cases has gone up, and, you know, obviously, you know, there's been a return to lockdowns and, and some of the previous precautionary measures that were in place, it seems, are coming back to the forefront and it's kind of done two things for the league. The first of which is it's made gambling tough. I mean, if you're a handicapper or if you're somebody that just loves casual gambling, I mean, it's hard to kind of get a handle on, A, like these replacement players coming in. How is that going to affect rotations? How is that going to affect prop bets? How is that going to affect spreads and totals and, and just overall pace? I mean, it's it's... I liken it to almost gambling on the NCAA a little bit in that, you know, the NCAA, you have these freshmen that come in every year. We don't really have a good base on, on where they're from. Of course, you know, we can kind of judge their high school talent, but there's new players coming in very frequently and, you know, you have old players leaving and, and it shakes up the teams, but that's almost on a yearly basis, though it is for a much smaller footprint of games. I think the NCAA season only runs like 30 games. And we're kind of getting the same thing in the league here. I mean, we're seeing the return of some, some you know, players that had put their careers on the shelf, you know, like Joe Johnson, ISO Joe making an appearance, Stanley Johnson getting another resurgence, Isaiah Thomas coming back, um, though many people thought he should have been in the league. I'm, I'm not one of those people. I think he's a defensive liability no matter how prolific of a score he might appear to be um but we're seeing a resurgence in some of their careers you know they're they're tapping players that had been involved with you know the big three and and pulling players up from the g league and kind of giving an opportunity to a lot of people that probably wouldn't get an opportunity you know had there been no covid so that's kind of cool to see but you can also kind of feel that you know the nba wants to continue this thing at all costs it doesn't matter you know, to the detriment of the standings or the team's potential or anything like that. Um, and it's kind of like, you know, we don't want to postpone these games if you have eight players at least, which is the actual rule. And they even changed the the rules regarding contracts to make sure that they can get enough players to be fielded. I mean, previously, you know, a two-way contract only lasted 50 games. That's been expanded to be however long it needs to be, um, you know, for that, that type of contract. They've also, you know, allowed for an expansion of the actual roster itself to accommodate some additional signings for, you know, what they're calling a hardship exemption in that, you know, too many players have COVID. 
But some of these teams are really impactive. I mean, you have the Hawks, who have 11 players as of this morning in protocols. You know, Boston has nine. Minnesota has seven, right? Like, some of these teams are missing a ton, a ton of players, and some of them key players. I mean, you look at the Blazers, they're missing, you know, three out of their five starting lineup uh, due to COVID. And then they also missing CJ McCollum with his own, you know, lung issue and things like that. I mean, they're just getting absolutely wrecked. Um, Toronto, another team with 10 players out. I mean, these teams have to field, you know, a reasonably good team if they want any hopes of, you know, winning the division, the conference, moving into playoffs, you know, a little bit of it, thankfully, is offset by the fact that there still is this play-in game that's looming at the end of the season. I think that's the only way any of this gets justified, right? And I've talked a little bit about this before, but with the play-in structure, meaning, you know, 20 out of the 30 teams are going to get an opportunity to, you know, at least play for a spot in the playoffs, if not actually get in the playoffs, right? Um so with that being said, no team is going to go from, you know, first in the standings to last in the standings and out, right? Like, I think whoever was going to be your top four teams in each conference, like, they might slide a couple of spots, but they're not going to slide from up there to out due to these COVID protocols, right? Especially now that we're gearing towards being halfway through the season, like, that's not going to happen, right? Where it is going to affect is your, you know, your 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, like those six seed spots, that can be disrupted by this whole COVID thing. But at the very least, you know, if there is a team that slides from 9 to 13, they do have a chance to get back in it because it is so close. And ultimately, this isn't something that just affects one team, right? It is hitting the teams that are in larger markets, heavier right like bigger cities more people more opportunity to go out more opportunity to spread it contract it all that type of stuff that is being seen but those teams typically aren't at the bottom of the conference standings and the smaller teams who are a little bit more sheltered from covid but by no way you know impervious they have to maintain and play if they want to get in their playing spot right like and in so what i'm getting at is with the play in I'm not crying if if people are out for COVID. Yes, it makes my life harder as a daily gambler, duh, you know, but I'm not really upset at the NBA on how they're handling it or the rules or what that means for my favorite players or, you know, like a great example is the Christmas games, right? Specifically the Warriors-Suns game. And you know I always have to make this about the Warriors, but specifically regarding the Warriors-Suns game, right? The Warriors had their two uh, top second and third scorers out of the game due to COVID, right? They had Andre Iguodala missing. They had Andrew Wiggins. They had Jordan Poole. They had Damian Lee. Pretty much all for COVID protocols, right? But they were still able against a seemingly fully healthy Suns team to not only win, but actually like dominate that game, uh, especially in the back half of the third and fourth quarters. But they were able to pull it together and win on Christmas Day. So despite that they were missing some key players, they were able to solidify their place in the first, uh, you know, seed of the of the Western Conference. But 
my point being is that the good teams, even if they have a couple of players missing, are going to have to rely on their superstars to get it done, rely on these key, you know, second and third string guys and people that are getting opportunity to win. And, you know, the teams that are staying healthy, they still have to play well, too. These COVID games aren't a walk in the park. Like the people that they're pulling up, it's not like they've rolled into the YMCA and, you know, took the three tallest guys and said, hey, here's an NBA jersey. Like the people that are vying for these opportunities have been vying for these opportunities for a long time. They're elite basketball players. They probably you'd love to have them on your pickup team. You know what I mean? Like or your company you know, basketball tournament or whatever, where you play a different office or whatever happens now where, where you yourself are playing basketball. You know, these are elite players that are getting the shoulder tapped and, you know, the games are still competitive. Christmas was a great example of that. So while COVID is, is becoming a problem, it's nice to see that, you know, there's there's been supposedly less hospitalizations and um, overall less deaths as the vaccines roll out and everything like that. But you know, COVID is here to stay and it's going to be a part of this season. And it's, you know, more so I would say than last season, this is going to be known as the COVID season, or, you know, it might be the COVID era, right? This might last well into 2023 and and beyond uh, based on just on how it's going now and the trajectory, like this isn't going to end anytime soon. So we kind of have to learn how to live with it. And the NBA is doing their thing, postponing as few games as possible, and the show must must go on, right? The best we can hope for is that these players are able to stay healthy and fit uh, as athletes are supposed to, um, you know, and, and we all also do our parts so that, you know, the fans going to the games doesn't get canceled. Because if that gets canceled, NBA loses a lot of money, man, and a lot of people are in trouble. But as long as the games are still being played, the fans are still allowed in the stadiums, masks on, vaccine required, whatever the rules are, no concessions, whatever, right, the NBA will do all right. And, uh, you know, that's all I got to say about COVID. So let's take a quick break, and I want to give you guys some updates on some future stuff. Okay, so at the very beginning of the season, I went through – manually and i say manually because i did it by mano my by my hand i literally printed out every single schedule for every single day went through all the teams and i gave you you know three division winners and about eight or nine futures as far as win totals go right and it's right about this time that it makes sense for us to look at a how do we do you know b and you know, maybe make some adjustments in some other futures picks as we go into, you know, this next couple of months of the season, right? And just for a recap, for those of you that remember, I always look at the season this way in a normal year. October, November, December, that's like the feel-out stage. That's where you start to see, like, oh, who's going to be the surprising team? What team, you know, is starting to emerge as as potential championship caliber? You know, what who's really going to step up and, and make a huge leap in their play? Maybe, you know, solidify an MIP award or a six-man award or something like that. And at this point, we're about, you know, 40% of the way through the season. And, you know, I made some predictions on exactly what – team's records would be at this point and you know we're close we i do want to get through the december 31st before we go ahead and 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 look at each team individually but i figured this week we could start with the futures that i did lay out and kind of talk about them a little bit so the first ones i gave out 
were three division winners. The first was the Hawks at plus 125 to win their division. Then the Warriors at plus 400 and the Grizzlies at plus 400 to win their divisions, respectively. Um, Just to recap for the Hawks, their division includes, obviously, the Heat, the Wizards, the uh, Hornets, and the Magic are the other teams that round it out. Right now, the Hawks are fourth in their division at 15 and 17. They're five games back from the first lead in the division, which is the Miami Heat. So, honestly, we're not looking good there. Like I said at the top, you know, 11 players out with COVID protocols is a ton, especially, you know, given the youth of the team and how much they do rely on Trey Young. He's one of the players that are out. That being said, you know, the, the, the Hawks have been horrible at home. They can't seem to figure it out. Um, they have been pretty good on the road, which is decent for them. Uh, but overall, it's been a middling performance. But the thing the Hawks have going for them is they have a ton of depth, you know. And we talked about this when it was free agency, how they have a ton of guys. They didn't cash any of them out crazy so they could afford to keep more of them, right? And it really shows, you know, once they get through these COVID protocols, I think they're going to go on a run. And I think Vegas is agreeing. And the reason I bring that up is because if you look at the division odds as it stands now for, you know, this Southeast division or whatever it's called, Atlantic, Central and Southeast. Yep. Southeast division. So Miami is minus 400, right? Which means you have to bet $4 to win one. And that makes sense but them being you know at least three games ahead of the next closest team um but that being said the next best odds is still the atlanta hawks at plus 500 now i'm not really recommending doubling down on the hawks here but if you were to see it as i see it right the hornets are plus a thousand wizards plus three thousand you know and then the magic are plus 100 grand but the magic are so far out you know that they they basically can't they're 14 games back vegas still views the hawks as the strongest team in this situation to upset the heat for the division right last year i bet on the heat to win a division and ultimately it was the hawks that you know were able to pull it through because the heat had some injury issues heat are still dealing a little bit with guys out on a night in night out basis they've had some great play from unexpected players um specifically max Struess is who i'm thinking of um but and gabe vincent another one but still the hawks are in a position especially with their schedule as it gets easier in, in january and february to really make a run here and go ahead and and steal the um the division out from under the the heat right like looking at january and february they play 21 games which isn't a ton over the course of two months and i have them going 12 and 9 and the heat going 13 and 12 you know based on predictions i made before the season started so assuming no covid and all health and all that good stuff so if that were to happen, that would significantly close the gap between the two, and then it would be a sprint between March and April, where I have the Heat going eight and twelve to Atlanta's ten and ten. Right. So I think this one's going to come down to the wire. I think Vegas thinks the same. I might double down here. I already have the Hawks at plus one twenty-five 
to win. And it wouldn't make a ton of sense for me to bet on any of these other teams, right? Like the Hornets, they're not going to win it. The Wizards, they're three and a half games back out. Um, but I don't think they they have it in them either. So it would make sense to double down on this Hawks bet. But I'm toying with the idea. I'm toying with the idea because I think there's some other things on the table that would make more sense to bet first. But I think he Hawks, one of these two are going to win it. Hawks, obviously, is a lot more favorable to bet on. So if you're tailing, I would recommend that. And it's not too late to jump on it. Um, that being said, it could slide the other way and continue going the way it's been going, especially as COVID runs rampant. Um, and... You know, it may be that the Heat pull it out in the end, but I think it's going to be close. Next up, the division winner was the Southwest Division. I gave out the Grizzlies at plus 400 at the beginning of the season, and it's been phenomenal watching this Grizzlies team, even as they're impacted with COVID, even as, you know, John Morant missed a ton of time for a knee injury. They have been in my top five teams to watch as far as you know who's on and 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 who am i putting on on a 13 game slate who's the three games i have you know bouncing around uh grizzlies are up there right now as it stands they've gone from plus 400 to minus 160 to go ahead and win the division here so um that's a huge swing that's a great news for us that means vegas is in line with our thinking in that memphis will go ahead and win the grizzlies can't really double down here i don't think it would made sense i could hedge by taking dallas at plus 120 but dallas is almost in the same situation as the hawks is though i can't really make a case for them dallas is four games back from memphis they got a tough tough uh january february schedule if i'm looking at it here well, i have them going 16 and 10 and then finishing off 12 and 9 you know, so if they end up winning, you know, 28 out of 37 games, they could take over the Grizzlies. But I have the Grizzlies in a situation where they're not going to have a losing month for the rest of the year, according to my projections. So this one may be tight, too, but I think Memphis has already done a lot of the work to go ahead and solidify their division lead. I have the ticket at plus 400. I don't think I need to you know, hedge at plus 120. I think in a month or two before these close, because these bets don't close until April, which is nice. Um, but, uh, you know, the the month or two, things might change. You might see the Grizzlies slide. But, uh, you know, they're getting healthy. I think they're only going to go, you know, on a, on a streak, on a hot streak here. They're more likely than to, uh, you know, drop a bunch of games. So um, that one's looking good. Last one here, as far as the division winners go, I took the Warriors at plus 400, uh, who were the third best odds to win the division. Um, now they're currently sitting at minus 105, so we're almost in the same situation as we are with the Grizzlies, right? We have a plus 400 ticket swing to the opposite side. They're becoming the favorites. They do have, as it stands, a half-game lead on the Phoenix Suns with that win on Christmas, uh, which is nice. They have two wins against them. So any tiebreaker situation will obviously go to the Warriors um, with having two, two and one record against the Suns. Suns, I have them, you know, in a situation where I think that they can obviously take this as well. But right now the ticket sits at minus 120. So really what I would be doing is, is basically covering myself to see, you know, if, 
the Warriors don't make it and the Suns somehow usurp them at minus 120. Maybe I can go ahead and, you know, bet six to win five um, and just cover my Warriors bets or whatever. Bet 12 to win uh, 10, bet 120 to win 100, whatever your 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 unit is. I just like five bucks because I think it's easiest for most people to understand. But the Warriors are, are the favorite here. And, uh, you know, the Lakers aren't going to make a comeback. Neither are the Clippers or the Kings. So you rule them out. So it's really between, you know, the Warriors and the Suns here. And if you take the Suns at minus 120, you know, I'm not mad at that either. I think that that is a small enough juice to go ahead and win. I think the Suns are a little bit more motivated coming off the Western uh, conference championship last year and you know obviously the finals appearance they're eager to get back there they're eager for home court where they have been um just a smidge better this season um actually they're almost identical 15 and 3 at home and 11 and 3 on the road so they just haven't you know played as many road games um and have had basically the same same success but um if you do take the Suns as opposed to the Warriors, I think you're betting on the Warriors to continue to have, you know, COVID issues, players outages. Um, I think the biggest thing that would make me pick the Suns over the Warriors was about a week ago to close out a road trip where they played, I believe, four games and had won, you know, three of them are ready. Steve Kerr went ahead and rested all the big starters. And that's not something I see the Suns doing. Um, and when he did that, the Warriors just got absolutely mollywopped by Toronto. Um, so if Steve Kerr is going to continue to do that, that might be an indication I should take the Suns because um, I don't think they're going to take any games off or days off or anything like that um, to kind of save some fuel in the tank for the playoffs. I just haven't seen it from them before so i don't think that they would start that but we have seen it from the warriors um so obviously you know in season wins aren't as important to the warriors as they may be to the suns and that may lead to them you know not winning the division now if it comes down to it and it's tight and the warriors have to go on a winning streak to win the division that could be some extra motivation we see in march and april for them to win some extra games um but it does give me hesitancy that steve kerr went ahead and did that the other day so just keep that on in mind um, while you're you're betting your your division picks, uh, looking around at the other divisions, um, we didn't bet this one before because they're kind of where they at now with the same odds. In that the Jazz are leading the way uh, for that Northwest division that has the Nuggets, the Blazers, the Timberwolves, and the Thunder. They're minus five thousand. They're so far in front of everybody else. You know. Blazers have been a trade wreck. Timberwolves have been nice and surprising, but they're ninth in the conference right now. They're not winning the division. And the Nuggets have had a ton of injuries, um, so they're not going to overtake them. Uh, at plus 2,000, it looks it looks nice, but nah. Um, next up, same situation. We have an Atlantic division. Brooklyn is just so far ahead of Philly, Boston, New York, and Toronto. Um, I think there are like seven games in front of Philadelphia, who's second place in the division. Um, and unless they slide in a major way, uh, they're not losing this division. So you can go ahead and lock in, you know, Brooklyn Nets minus 800 division winner. I think, you know, if it supplements another bet that you have and you're able to parlay them through your bookie, you know, that could be something that gets you a few extra dollars on a parlay. But, 
you know, none of these other teams are going to go ahead and uh, take the division. I think Brooklyn could go ahead and lock this up unless, you know, Philly goes on some kind of miraculous win streak and the Nets, you know, big three continue to sit out. Um, but I don't think that's going to happen. I think we're actually closer to a big three return for the Nets than we are for, you know, them taking any significant kind of time off. Um, last division here to talk about is just the central division. Uh, Actually, this one is kind of interesting, right? You can probably rule out the Pistons and Pacers, but you have the Cavs, Bulls, and Milwaukee Bucks all very, very close to each other. I think we're talking about a game and a half uh, back is Cleveland as it stands, and then half a game behind Chicago is Milwaukee. Um, So these three teams are all very, very close in win percentage. They're very close as far as, you know, the year has gone. Chicago has had a couple games postponed, so they've only played 30, uh, whereas the other two teams have played at least 33. So they do have some games to make up, um, which could be in their favor later. But right now, Chicago is in the lead for the division. And right now, their odds are plus 200. They're half game ahead of the Bucks. Uh, which I assume will be, um, you know, fixed very soon, given that the Bulls still have some players in protocol and the Bucks are, you know, fully ready to go. Though, for the Bulls, it's only their head coach and Lonzo Ball. I, the Cavs are going to slide. I think they're an anomaly. I don't think they're going to stay where they are. So even at plus 1,300, as attractive as that is, I can't bring myself to really – bet on them uh the bucks don't currently have any players in protocol so it's all you know whatever is injury that's keeping the the bucks from you know forming their full team but you know we saw on christmas the comeback against the celtics like they are humming and they are ready to go um so even at minus 225 i'm hesitant to bet that you could take the bulls at plus 200 if you believe you know that the COVID isn't going to run so rampant and obviously DeMar, Lonzo and Zach are going to continue to play at the level that they've been playing at. I don't think so either. I think they started hot and, and are going to start sliding. They are seven and three in their last 10, but um, you know, that is a three game win streak after a seven game losing streak. So just keep that in mind. Um, you know, if you are betting on these, I'm going to stay away, but I'm just figured I would share with the odds in case that that was something, you know, that you wanted to jump on. So that's how we're doing with the division winners picks um, of the teams that we're talking through. Um, I did also place a couple of bets on, um, you know, their over under for their wins. So the Bucks, I had, you know, 53 and a half wins. They're actually on pace for 51 and a half, which is, a little dangerously close. I think they're out of the woods in, in terms of injury and COVID protocol, though. So it's going to be close, but I think they're going to go ahead and, and capture that 54th win so we can cash that. Um, staying in the East here, I had the Pistons over 25 and a half wins. They're currently on pace for 13 wins, so that's probably going to be an L. Um, Wizards on pace for 42 wins. I had them locked in at 33 and a half of the over, so that's nice. Raptors. I had them at over 36 and a half. They're currently on pace for 38 wins. So that's pretty close right there. The Knicks, I had them at 42 and a half wins at the most. So we took the under on that one, but they're currently on pace for 37 wins. 
So we were probably good there. Um, the Nets, I had them under 56 and a half wins. They're currently on pace for 58. So it's looking like it's going to be an L, but it's going to be close. Just need them to lose a few games. Hopefully, you know, God forbid anybody gets seriously injured. But if Kevin Durant rolled his ankle, I wouldn't be mad. Uh, switching over to our Western Conference picks here. I had the Kings under 36 and a half wins. Uh, Kings, as always, is a dumpster fire. They're currently on pace for 31 wins. So assuming they don't go on some crazy win streak, that one looks good. Grizzlies over 41 and a half wins. They're currently on pace to be almost a 50 win team. Um, I have them currently on pace for 48 wins based on current win percentage and everything like that. Uh, last two here, I have the Suns over 51 and a half wins. They're on pace for 66. So that one should be locked in fairly early uh and the jazz 52 and a half wins they're currently on pace for 59 the jazz are like the unsung team uh just because of how good the warriors and the suns have been um but the jazz watch out for the jazz they've been as always they're really good at home and they've been able to stave off some bad losses so watch out for the jazz as they continue this season but that's it for today. I appreciate everybody listening. I hope everybody have a happy holidays. We'll be back in about a week, you know, to uh, go over some goals for 2022 and, you know, just some different metrics and picks as we, you know, start to enter the third and fourth months of the season. Hope everybody stays safe on New Year's. If you're listening to this, you know, Feliz Navidad y Año Nuevo and all that good stuff. And I'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you.